You're listening to the St. John's Diamond Creek Podcast. This episode presented by Adrian Lane from mission partner Bush Church Aid. The reading today is from Luke 23, 32 to 43. And I'm reading from the NIV version. Two other men... Both criminals were also led out with him to be executed. When they came to the place called the Skull, there they crucified him along with the criminals, one on his right and one on his left. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And they divided up his clothes by casting lots. The people stood watching and the rulers even sneered at him. They said, He saved others, let him save himself, if he is the Christ of God, the chosen one. The soldiers also came up and mocked him. They offered him wine vinegar and said, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was a written notice above him, which read, This is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him, Aren't you the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said, since you are under the same sentence? We are punished justly, but we are getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, today you will be with me in paradise. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that you speak to us through your word. Please speak to us now and move our hearts and wills to respond in a way that pleases you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, today I'd like to look at one of the life-changing consequences of the Easter and Pentecost events. Forgiveness. Not a word we often hear in our self-centred, victim-oriented, blaming society. I know I find it very hard to say, please forgive me, especially with those who are close to me. Indeed, the closer the relationship, the harder it is to say, please forgive me. But I also find it equally as hard, if not harder, to forgive those who have plainly wronged me. And the wrong they've done against me often eats away at me, embitters me, as I rehearse their wrong over and over again in my mind and speak about it all too often with other people. Now, I'm not always sure that other people understand how they have actually hurt me. But again, all too often, I keep a little list in my mind to bring up in a later argument. 
Well, in our passage today, we meet three very different people. And from each we learn so much about this crucial issue of forgiveness. It's a powerful passage, a story many of us are very familiar with. We've seen pictures of it. And it's a story that can overcome us emotionally as we better understand it. It comes at the climax of Luke's gospel. That gospel just means the story about Jesus, or the history about Jesus. Jesus has been training his disciples for three years. Crowds have followed them as Jesus has taught and healed many to show the nature of who he truly is. But the Jewish leaders haven't understood. Indeed, they haven't wanted to understand. And ultimately, on false charges and in a terrible travesty of justice, Jesus executed with two other men, both criminals. And the first thing I'd like us to notice is Jesus' extraordinary prayer for those executing him. Even as they are driving the nails into his wrists and feet, even as they are raising him on the cross to die of suffocation, he is praying for their forgiveness. Father, forgive them for they do not know what they are doing. Now, this is unimaginable selflessness and is worth our pondering again and again. But despite such graciousness, indeed plainly in the face of it, some of the leaders sneer at him. Oh, he saved others. Let him save himself if he's God's Messiah, the chosen one. Verse 35. If only they knew. If only they had a teachable heart. The soldiers, the Roman soldiers, also mocked him as they divided up his few remaining possessions, a few clothes, for themselves. An action that was incidentally prophesied centuries before by David, one of Jesus' ancestors, in Psalm 22, verse 18. It's like actually stealing from a homeless man. If you are truly the king of the Jews, save yourself, the soldiers say. If only they knew. Pilate, the Roman governor, had also mocked Jesus by having this notice placed above him. This is the king of the Jews. It showed them who's in charge. There's no king but Caesar. Look at your king here on this cross. If only he knew. 
And what does Jesus do? He prays for them. Not in a spiteful, vengeful prayer. God, bring down your judgment upon them. That's the sort of prayer that I'd say. But in a prayer full of compassion. Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they're doing. One of the criminals who hung there beside Jesus also hurled insults at him. <laughs> Aren't you the Messiah? Well, save yourself and us. He's obviously an angry man, isn't he? A shouter. A man who quickly loses his temper and never stops to think. And we've all come into contact with people like him, haven't we? Especially since the pandemic. On the roads, for instance. They shout and they bully us. They blame others for their troubles. And then they put it on others to fix up the very problems that they themselves have created. And their anger leaves a stain on us, doesn't it? It bruises us and wounds us and leaves a scar. If only he knew. But there was another man on that hill, wasn't there? And he realised that this world and its powers were not all that there is. He realised that this world is just a foretaste of a much bigger world to come and that life doesn't actually revolve around us. Don't you fear God, he said to the other criminal. We're punished justly because we're getting what our deeds deserve. But this man, nodding to Jesus, has done Nothing wrong. Did you get that? This man has done nothing wrong. Wow. We have so much to learn from this criminal. He well knows that there's a God. He well knows that wrong needs to be punished and atoned for. A penalty has to be paid. You can't pretend wrong hasn't happened and just try and get on with life as though nothing's happened. That actually is what happened in my family. There'd be a massive fight on Friday night and we'd get up in the morning the next day, the kids, and it was as though nothing had happened. But it had. This second criminal well knows that he and the other criminal are being punished justly. He's not making excuses for himself and he's not blaming anybody else. And he well knows that Jesus is innocent. This second criminal's been around. He knows a criminal when he sees one. And he well knows that Jesus is no criminal. 
You know, some of us are very aware, aren't we, of our need for forgiveness. We know we've done the wrong thing by God and by others, and we carry a burden, just like the prodigal son in that well-known parable earlier in the Gospel in Luke 15. But others of us can't see that we need forgiveness. We blame others, and frankly, we're often self-righteous like the older brother in that parable. And you know what? God loves us both like the Father, and he is longing to forgive. Actually, the second criminal who was being crucified was a very fortunate man. He could have been crucified in the last batch or the next one, but God obviously had his hand on him because he was crucified with Jesus. He was crucified with Jesus. And he'd been with Jesus on that terrible journey to the cross He had actually heard Jesus praying for his executioners. And he'd come to know that Jesus was like no other man. And by God's grace, he'd come to know something of who Jesus really was, that he really was the Messiah, the chosen one. And this criminal comes to put his trust in Jesus in the last moments of his life. Jesus, remember me, he says to him, when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus responds with these wonderful, famous words. Truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. Truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. Isn't that magnificent? He's forgiven. He's incorporated into Christ's kingdom, not through anything he's done. (laughs) He had no time to do anything, but through Christ's work right there beside him on the cross. Because you see, when Jesus died, he paid the penalty for sin, for wrong. But he didn't pay the penalty for his own sin. No, the criminal's already told us that he's done nothing wrong. And indeed, just a few hours later, the the, the centurion in charge of this death squad, after he sees everything that happens, he also comes to realise that Jesus is the righteous one. We see that in verse 47. So Jesus doesn't actually pay the penalty for his own wrong, but he still pays the penalty, which is death. He actually died and took the penalty of death for you and for me. It's the criminals and the centurions, and indeed the penalty for all who cry out to Jesus. Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. That second criminal died knowing he was forgiven. 
looking forward to seeing Christ come into his kingdom. We don't even know his name, but we know we'll meet him in paradise if we too put our trust in Jesus. You know, when Jesus rose from the dead a few days later with a new body, he proved that the penalty for sin, death, had actually indeed been paid fully. He has indeed saved others, but only at the incredible cost to himself. He is indeed the Messiah, the chosen one. He is indeed the king of the Jews, and not just the Jews, but the king of all kings, governors, emperors, and of all peoples. Indeed, who but the righteous one could promise to another, would dare to promise to another in such terrible circumstances on that hill, today you will be with me in paradise. Forgiveness. It's not a word we often hear. So many people all around us are labouring under the guilt of sin. They put on a pleasant face, but they're still labouring under the guilt of sin. And this message of forgiveness through Christ's completed work on the cross and by no other means has been transformational for me. To know that I'm forgiven, to know that when I die, I too will be with Christ in paradise. To know there's absolutely nothing I can do to earn my forgiveness. Nothing in my hand I bring. Simply to the cross I cling. That's great news. And that's why I'm so thoroughly committed to Bush Church Aid. Because I long for everyone in every corner of Australia to hear that news. And it's not just great news for the future, is it? Because as I begin to understand Christ's love for me on that cross, despite my unworthiness, I can begin to have patience and love for others who know not what they do to me when they hurt me. And I can begin to be honest with myself as to how I might be hurting others. You know, when that first Pentecost crowd learnt from Peter that the one they had crucified, Jesus, was indeed both Lord and Messiah, they were cut to the heart and they asked Peter what they should do. Repent, turn back, he said, and be baptised for the forgiveness of your sins. We find that in Acts chapter 2. That promise to that crowd is for us as well. May we today know Christ's love and forgiveness and may we share his love and forgiveness with others. Shall we pray? We are astounded, Lord, as we remember what you did for us on that hill. We thank you so much for dying for us and we pray that you'd help us better to understand it and we pray that we too may be crucified with you, having our sins forgiven and being sure that we too will be with you in paradise. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 
Thanks for joining us. If you'd like to subscribe to this podcast, you can do so in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. Just search for St. John's Diamond Creek.